Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And today, I have brought a very special guest, one of my favorite people, to meet with you and to share some of his uh, ideas and just knowledge nuggets that you can take away and put to use immediately. So let me get him introduced so we can get him on the show. So today on the show, I'd like to welcome John Nimmo, a leadership consultant at Leadership Lived. John was once homeless, living in a 1971 Mercury Monterey, when he decided he needed to undergo a major transformation to rise above his circumstances. He began a journey as a successful sales and real estate professional and now helps others ignite change as a personal and business coach. He consults on leadership principles that get real results and help generate growth and sustainable profitability. Sometimes I have to say it again, profitability. So Profitability, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, John. I have been so oh, excited about this conversation. It's a delight to be here, and thank you for having me, Casey. It's really fun. You know, and I always like to start the podcast off talking about how we got connected, because I, I really, if I don't share anything else with people, I want them to pay attention to their connections, because you never know who knows somebody that can help you. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's all about relationships, right? Business is about relationships, and and um, yeah, I, I think Mark Given was one of your guests who's my personal coach. And, and he made a recommendation to you and then we connected over the Think and Grow Rich book. Absolutely. So. Yeah, and he thinks so highly of you. It's, and I didn't know he oh. was your coach. Yeah, so uh, he's my speaking coach, actually. Um, we connected um, about three years ago in Wichita and I had the keynote speech. I had seen Mark um, speak in Washington, D.C. on establishing priorities. And uh, we just connected and I just asked him flat out. You know, he's, he was a little bit ahead of me, ahead of my curve. And so, uh, and we've just become the best of friends ever since. So it's been really good. Well, the people who are watching this episode or listening to it are going to have to go check out his too because he did a great job on his episode, <laughs> which I'm sure you knew he would, right? Yeah, I knew he would. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So tell us a little bit, well, let's start with this. How did you motivate yourself to change your own circumstances um, and find success? Because you've, you've done some amazing things. Wow, great question. I... Um, you know, being homeless was not my destination. Um, I was an IBM rep in St. Louis and uh, made a few mistakes and uh, ended up getting fired. And then I went to Sony in their, in their word processing division um, and they downsized me. And so then I just went into the state of like depression. Um, it seemed like interviewing for jobs, finding a job at that time was really difficult for me. And and it didn't take but one or two no's, and I just ended up in this state of deadedness and depression. And, and I ended up 
buying a, a $300 car, if you can imagine, a 1971 Mercury Monterey, and I don't know how many miles it had on it. And then I ended up living out of that car in University City uh, in St. Louis, a suburb of St. Louis for a while. And then I guess in, in response to the question, how does anyone go from where they are to where they want to be? Um, motivation to me is fleeting, it's temporary. I prefer the word inspiration because it comes from inside of you. Um, and as I reflect on that question, you know, I had a lot of success in my life. I'd never been turned down for a job prior to that point. And um, maybe that contributed to my depression, Casey, I'm not sure, but, but um, I, I think deep inside me, since I'd had some success, I just knew I wasn't destined to be homeless. Um, I had a belief system already established that said I could be more than, than being homeless and being on the street. And so I had to um, seriously take some steps backward in order to take some steps forward. And, uh, and you know, it just became a belief in me that said, you know, I'm not destined to be, I'm, I'm destined to be more than this, destined to be something that I, I wasn't created to be that way. And uh, so it was a belief system, really. You know, you said something that's so interesting, and this is something that I coach, um, you know, our candidates on that are searching for a job, especially those that are without a job right now, is, you know, don't, don't get desperate, don't get depressed as you continue along those interviews and you get those no's, because then it's just like what you said, it just kind of spirals, and then you don't get a job because you're, throwing off that, I just call it an odor of desperation when you're interviewing and it's not, you know, it can be not pretty. Well, it's an energy signature that you put out. Um, we all have an energy mm -hmm. and we know that from when somebody positive walks in a room and, or somebody negative walks into a group, right? They, they have an energy signature, and sometimes those people can bring the entire room down and we want to be positive. And um, it took a while. Um, I had to surround myself with people um, who I could borrow belief from. And I think that's an important thing. And as, as whether you're an executive leading a company or whether you are seeking, looking for employment that's gainful, it's very important to, to surround yourself with relationships who believe in you and people that will speak into your life. And that's the value of your podcast, really. It's, uh, you know, Casey, you started out with a vision and a dream of having this podcast. And, mm -hmm. And then you, you began on a path to bring it to fruition. So kudos to you. That's a great thing. I was telling somebody the other day that if I'd have known how much work it was going to be on the front end, that I probably would have ran. I would have been like, nope. Because <laughs> you know, it takes work to put this together. I mean, we were talking about this right beforehand. You know, all the people that yeah. are like helping us put everything in place. Yeah, I, I don't think people realize, um, you know, keynote speaking, when you're, for every moment, that you're on the platform speaking requires one hour of preparation. Um, you know, just putting it together for the listening audience and you want them to benefit. We want your audience to benefit today, hopefully. So, uh, you know, but I, I would say going back to the belief, who do you surround yourself with in your relationships? Um, who are the people that you need to count into your life? And who are the people you can count on that you can borrow belief from. And then there are those that we need to count out. Like, who do, who's in my life I need to, you know, get rid of that negative energy in my life, right? That prevent you from being all you can be. 
Absolutely. I think my favorite quote is uh, Jim Rohn, and if I get it wrong, help me out, but you know, you are the average of the five people closest to you. I don't think that's verbatim, Absolutely. but it's close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, and you know, what's interesting is, um, you know, who are you willing to become to attract those five people, right? I mean, it's, if you, I've always said, you know, attorneys associate with attorneys, doctors with about successful people, you know, they hang with successful people. And who are you willing to become in order to get where you want to go? And that's that's really the key to the lesson. Absolutely. So, okay, let's shift gears just a little bit. So your upcoming book, Why Wait, is a compelling call to stop procrastinating. Why do you think procrastination, procrastination I don't know what's wrong with my words today. Maybe I should <laughs> try again. Why do you think procrastination is an easy habit to fall into? Wow. Um, fall into. First, all of us procrastinate. All of us. Um, there are things that we know in our life, that hard conversation we need to have with our teenage daughter or son. Um, going to ask for a raise, for example. Having that hard conversation, you're going to fire an employee. And mm -hmm. I think all of us put those things off. And um, I think that it is an easy thing to fall into, um, but the key is awareness, is knowing when we're doing it is the first step to preventing it. And I don't know, you know, I'm still, you know, easy things become hard, hard things become harder when we put them off, right? And so, you know, for me, um, you know, I'm still working on it. I, I think. You know, in Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill says the opposite of procrastinating is decision. Mm. And perhaps, perhaps all of us have procrastinated a decision, like maybe we were going to change jobs. We needed to go have that conversation with our boss, give our notice, right? And then once we've done that, it's like the weight is lifted and we're good to go forward, but we struggle making that decision so much. And I think that's where where Napoleon Hill was going with that, the opposite of procrastination. Let's just make a decision and get on with it. Let's go. I love that. I need to go back and read that book again. It's been a while and I'm working <laughs> through the workbook right now that goes along with it, but it's slow going. And I don't. I definitely want to talk about your series that you have at the end of this. So let's put a pin in that and come back to it. I wanted to tell you though, it was so interesting. A friend of mine asked me if I would coach her daughter. And I said, and it's a teenager, which, I didn't do so good with my teenager. You know? <laughs> I was like, sure. Um, very different though. But I said, the only, re the only requirement that I have is that she comes to me with a clear subject that she wants to work on. And the subject that she wanted to work on was procrastination. Really? Yes. Yeah. Wow. I, I thought how powerful yeah, it, for a 16 year old to already recognize that. Yeah. You know, if you go to Google and search procrastination, it's one of the highest search words. Um, that people struggle with in their life um, is putting things off and procrastinating things. And, and, you know, the book, Why Wait? Um, I learned so much better and I'm better and I'm getting better, but I, you know, it's all about awareness. It's about awareness to realize when am I procrastinating? Why am I putting this off? Why am I delaying, dilly-dallying, postponing the inevitable? And then the interesting thing about the things that make us procrastinate 
is, you know, uh, perfectionism, competing interests, things that you wouldn't think, um, you know, have that effect. It was interesting to me and what I learned through research through the book. Um, until 1984, there was very little psychological research put into procrastinating. People wrote it off as people who were lazy or unmotivated. But there are deep psychological reasons why we procrastinate. And one of those, perfectionism, for example, um, is we desire to do things so well that we'll put it off for fear that we're going to not do them well. Fear of failure. Right? And yeah, it's a fear of failure. Um, so, so great question. Thank you for asking me. It's good. So besides awareness, how have you overcome procrastination in your career and personal development journey? Oh, I have a great, I have, thank you. That's a great question. <laughs> I've learned to, I have a phrase called reduce it to the ridiculous, right? Ooh. Reduce it to the ridiculous. So whatever it is I'm going to do, I break it down into such small steps that it's impossible for me to not do that, right? So let's say that you are a chronic uh, mess keeper in your room, for example. You know, speaking of teenagers, I don't know many of them are not, right? But if you want to get helpful, then you, get, you just coach them and say, hey, you know, can this week, can we just put, on, put, a, put away your socks, right? It, it's a small thing. And then those small things keep building and building. And we build, once we build, develop the habit of socks, then we add the shoes and then we do something else. So reducing those things that you procrastinate, the things that you really don't want to do, reduce them down to ridiculous steps that go, oh, why can't I do that? You know, and for me that, you know, that led me forward, helped me tremendously. That is so cool. So I do something when I'm doing my goal setting that I think is very similar, which probably helps me not procrastinate so much, although I do still do it, I'm not gonna say I don't, but, and I just call them my micro steps. So, I mean, like I set out my big goal for the quarter or whatever it is, whether it relates to my annual goal, but for the quarter, and then I'll step it back to, you know, like this is a big chunk of it. And then I'll step that back even further to what I call my micro goals which are just like little bitty baby steps to get to that next step, to get to that next step. So, and it's so helpful. And I write it down. Micro goals, I love that. Yeah. Micro, I'm gonna steal that. Okay. Micro goals. Just say, <laughs> Casey Haston, after you did. <laughs> <laughs> Casey Haston, very good. So, yeah. yeah, no, that's really good. I like that a lot. And there's also, that reminded me of another book um, called Eat That Frog. Do you remember that? Yes, yeah. Is that Brian Tracy? I think it is Brian Tracy. Yeah, eat the frog first thing in the morning. So yeah. yeah get it off your plate. Get yeah, it just get it off your plate. plate. Yeah. yeah, that way it's done. So. Yeah, it, there, there are so, you know, for me, I was enlightened and I'm a procrastinator. That's why I chose to write the book. Um, it's kind of like teaching a course. I think sometimes when we teach, we learn more than the students because we prepare. And uh, I knew I had the realization and the awareness that I needed help. And after the Google search, and, and, and so the book is entitled, Why Wait? Um, it's it's uh, why we procrastinate, what to do about it. Um, I'm excited about it. It's probably uh, six months now from being, being out, but uh, we're in the editing stage right now. So um, thank you for asking, it was, it was really good. Well, congratulations on that. So, and you, had, you cover so many topics. So another topic I wanted to ask you a question about is, you know, you say, put your dream to the test. What does this mean to you? <laughs> yeah. Well, put your dream to the test. This is an entire seminar. This is okay. a course. I think, for, you know, we're all told to dream big. We're all told to establish big goals. And, and I, I find that 
In our society today, people struggle with their imagination. We haven't really imagined what into a life that we could have. You know, we're, we're surrounded and stuck in our current circumstances, into everything that's current, that it's, it becomes difficult. So putting your dream to the test, number one is you have to realize, is it my dream? Is it my dream? Is it, is it something that's a part of me or is it something that I acquired from somewhere else? A great analogy or example of that is the father who's trying to live vicariously through his son on the baseball field. You know, he had this dream of being a great athlete and now he's trying to impart that dream to someone else. But the first question about putting your dream to the test, it has to be yours. It has to be in alignment with your natural giftedness and your talents and, and, and all the attributes that you've been created for to do. And then the second thing is having a dream and a vision, you must fall in love with your dream. It's a relationship and relationships have, you know, I have 10 things that your dream requires from you. And the first one is commitment. You know, when you think about a relationship, you know, falling in love with your dream is a, is a, is a commitment and your dream will reward you. The law of reciprocity means the more you give to your dream, your dream will give back to you. So, Yes, it's a, it's a whole topic. I, I could write for days on putting your dream to the test. You had a dream of being a podcaster. You made it come to, come to fruition, right? But it, every, it began as an idea. And for your listeners today, look around your room. I mean, Casey, look, look, look around the room, right? Everything that you see began as an idea. It began as someone's idea. And then they began to write it down. And that was the first step into turning that idea, their dream, their vision into reality. It, it was in the abstract, in your mind, it's an idea, but when you wrote it down, it took physical form. And so that's why writing things down, journaling is so important. So great, I, I could talk about putting your dream to the test for days, really. <laughs> I think we need to have a follow-up conversation on that because we didn't dig into that our first conversation. We were too enamored <laughs> no, we with didn't. Think and Grow Rich. So, and I, I, and I just, I really want to highlight what you said about writing it down. You know, there's so much science behind the neuropaths that form in your brain when you write down what it is, your goals or your gratitude or whatever it is, you know, People ask me a lot of times, they're like, why don't you go to a digital app with your journaling? And I'm like, no, I need to write that stuff down. There's power in writing it down. There is power and, and it, it can't happen through the typing. It has to come through the thinking mechanism. Um, and it, it's just like I said, your thoughts, you know, the first step to any thought or idea that you have, whether it's a new job, whether it's becoming an exceptional leader, an exceptional CEO of a company, um, you want to advance your career, write it down, write down your vision, write down your goals, because that's the first step in you know, taking it from your mental abstract self into bringing it to physical form, bringing it to physical form. You know, and I just want to add to that too, because this is something else that I do and it's not quite, I've done vision boards, which I think are very important, but uh -huh. also visioning, right? And so, and I'm a horrible artist. I can't draw worth a flip, but I will, <laughs> when I see something in my head, I will do my best to sketch it out so that uh -huh. I can see the vision that I have in my head for where I want to go. And so yeah, I think that's another good. important tool. Yeah, it's very, how do you communicate that idea? 
you know, writing it down brings clarity to us. And, and we can talk about communication a little bit. Um, but communicating with ourselves is huge in terms of accomplishment and achievement and taking us from where we are to where we'd like to be. And, uh, you know, having that self-communication with the person in the mirror is the most important conversation we ever had. And I think true also that leads to into our next topic that I wanted to cover with you, which is on productivity. So um, in order to be productive, you've got to be clear about where you're going. But what are some of the keys to achieving true productivity, according to John? Wow, true productivity, you know, clarity, clarity of the mission. Um, you know, I coach some CEOs, some executives, and, and the struggle for them is clarity. Where are we going? And then the second part of clarity, getting really clear and bringing productivity to fruition. Am I communicating it effectively? Um, communicating, the ability to communicate with our children, in our family, with our boss, in our, in our organizations, with our teams, with our leadership, is is the key to our success and as i've you know i've built teams and and one of my favorite phrases is it's not what you say it's how you say it to people and i think you know struggling executives struggling people that are leading companies ceo level um, uh, c-level executives we are used to communicating data we want to communicate through a powerpoint we want to communicate you know the the data and the statistics and we aren't really connecting. We're not connecting with those. And so, you know, our staff meetings become really boring, you know, because we're talking about, you know, things. And then we have to identify and communicate and, and get buy-in. You know, if you're, if you're a leader, you know, as John Maxwell would say, if you think you're leading and no one's following, you're just taking a walk. Right? <laughs> and I think that's where, by and large, you know, Jim Harder with Gallup has said that 86% um, of employees are disengaged with their work. And so if you're leading a company, um, and, and, and I think the further research on that is 13% is of those are actively disengaged, right? How do we engage people in our mission? How do we, how do we communicate in a way where we get buy-in? Because we all know that 13% who are actively disengaged you know, what's that conversation at the water fountain? What's that conversation at the, you know, it's backbiting, it's destructive, it's, it's tearing the company apart and it's creating disruption mm -hmm. among those who are followers. And, and uh, it really creates big barriers for our own um, inspirational leadership. Absolutely. And, I, and it's so interesting that you bring that up because, you know, I've worked in organizations before where there's that one person, that negative Nancy, that just brings down the entire energy level for the whole team and even sometimes for the whole company. And I think that goes directly against what these business leaders are looking for, which is to increase that productivity within their organization. Is it what else besides communication might a business leader do to increase their productivity? Well, <clears throat> number one, leaders everywhere have, um, the worldwide is to, we have a tendency to to promote the wrong person as a manager, right? We we promote someone based not on their ability to lead, but on on their experience at doing a specific job, and then we we train them in administration, 
right? We train them to do uh, manage tasks, right? We're, we're not teaching them how to maximize human potential. Um, and, and that's so important. So um, that we must let go. As leaders, we must let go. We cannot do annual reviews, which were instituted after World War II. And especially the number one question I get, what do I do with my millennials? How do I manage millennials today? And most of that has to do with coaching. And, and we are not effective at asking the questions and getting alignment and buy-in from people through coaching into the mission, into the vision of the leader of the company. So I'm a big believer in coaching. I believe that coaching is so important because you know, a coach can see in Casey what she can't see in herself. And, and you know, I'm a big believer in that. So I am a proponent of coaching. I am a coach and I encourage people to get coaching. You know, I, my favorite saying, and I think I've said this several times on the podcast lately, is that you can't read the label inside the jar. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. And you know, everyone in the world wants one thing. We all want a good job, right? Yeah. I mean, really, when it boils down to it, we want, we want to make a, a fair wage and a good job. And I think, where's the disconnect in that? How are we as leaders... You know, what, what is entailed in a good job? And, and uh, I would encourage people to look up Jim Harder on Gallup and read that article because it, he goes through and defines what that is in today's society, not what it was, you know, in my generation a long time ago, but what does that look like today? And, um, and people want to buy into a mission that aligns with their values, right? We, we, we want to buy in and work for a company today that's in alignment with my own personal beliefs and my own personal values. So um, I think that's the key to productivity. I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that we are seeing more as we've kind of had this shakeup with the pandemic, we're seeing people say, you know what? I don't need that job over there that made me miserable to go to every single day. I need to go find what's gonna make me happy. I, I'm seeing such a mind shift in that regards. Wow. Yeah, we yeah, are. I, this is a new normal um, that we're heading into today, and and uh, through all of the unknowns, I you know, I, I love what Eleanor Roosevelt said. She said we must learn to do the things that we think we cannot do, and COVID and, and in 2020, there were organizations who would never have thought possible. You know, it's the thinking part. You know, we're so limited in our thinking by our current conditions, current circumstances. It that we can't think beyond that sometimes. And we were, we were forced to do that with COVID in 2020, I believe. Very quickly, yeah. I, I read one statement, I believe it was the CEO of Microsoft said that we um, had two years of digital growth in two months. Yes. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> back in, in um, October of 19, I read an article and I believe it was in Inc. Inc. Magazine that said online and digital training will be a $2.5 billion industry by 2025. And we know um, online shopping took a 44% increase through this previous shopping season. And so online and digital courses and training now, that's probably gonna be exponentially growing to $5 billion by 2023. So um, it, it's changing the way we're working, it's changing the way we see our, our employment. Um, and, and for me personally, I like, to, I like to think it's changing me inside for the better. 
I like to think the same thing about you. No, just kidding about me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and about so, you. And about you. So what's one piece of advice you've received in your entrepreneurial journey that you'd like to share with others? Well, number one is to be well read. Um, you know, be a learner. Um, and people say, I don't like to read, you know. And um, so, I, you know, for me personally, my goal for this year is 36 books. I want to do three a month. Wow. I didn't quite hit, I didn't quite hit that last year, but, but I'm on track in January to get that done. Um, and, and, the, and number two, if you are an executive or you are um, seeking employment, you know, and that's, I think that's where your listeners are today, um, be a seeker. Be open-minded. When we're seeking for something, there's a sign that says we're open-minded. Mm -hmm. we're, we're seeking and we're being open to possibilities for us, possibilities of my own future, where I can go, what I can do, what I can become, um, you know, who I can be. We have to be seeking, and when you're seeking, you are open. And so those two things, be well-read, be learned, and understand that, that your, uh, uh, your ability to earn is extraordinarily connected to your desire to learn. That's beautiful. Mic drop, we should just end the show there. That was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. So I do want to take just a couple of minutes to talk about, because this is a perfect time to bring this up, Think and Grow Rich. This book was written in the 1920s, 30s. It was published in 37, but 30s. He, he did okay. 20 years worth of research. Right. Before the book was published. Yeah. And this book is probably one of the most, if you ask any successful person which book probably has affected them more, they're going to say Think and Grow Rich. So definitely yeah. a book that we recommend that you read. But you've gone a step further and produced a video series just really unpacking this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, I've spent four years studying the book. Um, and by studying it, I mean studying it. I've, I've broken it down. I've gone into the biography of Napoleon Hill, who he was, how he came to write the book. Um, Andrew Carnegie commissioned him. And, and when you study that, um, the reason Andrew Carnegie did that was because he wanted Napoleon Hill, who was a, a journalist in Chicago, by the way, he wanted Napoleon Hill to write something simple that people could implement into their lives and succeed. He wanted the formula, and so many, I mean, if you, John Maxwell, Anthony Robbins, um, name, name them, this book is on their top 10 list. Mm -hmm. um, a, a, anyone that I know in my circles have all read the book, but you can't just skim the book. It's not one of those things that you just, oh, no. that you just skim. Um, and so I'm coaching some people through the book, and we're on the on the chapter on desire, which is one of the first ones. And you have to write it out, read it in the morning, read it at night. And I go, so um, show me your written desire statement. Well, I didn't do that. Well, how do you expect this to work, right? And um, I I do believe that you know, as a man thinketh, so is he. James Allen said the power that we have to advance our lives, to become what you were created to be, to be more, do more, and have more, is all in our thinking. It's how we think about who we are that 
that Think and Grow Rich illuminates so well. Wow. Yeah. And I just wanted to touch on that just for a second because we are almost out of time. Um, sure. And I want to get to our VIP questions because these are fun. So are you ready? <laughs> okay. I'm ready. Go. Okay. So if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? Yeah, great. So I, I'm a person of faith. Um, I would certainly have to take uh, probably uh, scripture, Bible, something like that with me um, to read and to study. Music. I'm a musician. I was a vocalist. Um, I was a vocal major when I first started into college. I feared I couldn't make money at that, and I wasn't good enough. But, but I would have to take music. I love music of all kinds, classical, classic rock, country. I, I love it all. I'm a musician. I play piano. Um, so I would have to take music, and then, and then certainly I'd want to take the people or the person who's more, most important in my life, and that would be my wife, Sarah. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, soulmates. So those three things, that's, that's probably what I would take. I think you're going to have a lot of fun on your trip with those three things. <laughs> Probably so, so. What is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? Oh, great question. And uh, I find so many people want success, but they don't know how to achieve it. And reflection, mm -hmm. reflection is so important. And it's not about comparing myself to you or to someone else or comparing myself to Mark Given or comparing myself to, you know, John Maxwell. It's only about comparing who I am in this moment to who I was yesterday and making those incremental micro steps, as you said earlier, to be better than I was yesterday. And for me, that's at 536 in the morning. That's when I'm, my brain functions. That's when my, um, uh, I'm, at, I'm at my best thinking self in the morning. So I'm reading, I'm reflecting, I'm writing, I'm journaling, and I'm listening, and I'm listening. And, uh, and sometimes the quiet, we just need that. Uh, that's my special time. To, that's, that's key for me. And when I don't do that, I, I can almost guarantee my day falls apart. So I, I think I asked you this when we spoke before, but are you familiar with the book, The Miracle Morning? I am not. Okay, so Hal Elrod is the author, and I really yes. encourage you to look this one up and read it if you yeah. haven't. But and I talk about it all the time; it's like my favorite. It, it <laughs> transformed my life, so uh, that's of yeah, course why really. I talk about it. But yeah. what you just described as your morning ritual is basically his miracle morning. Yeah, that's great, and it's great. it's amazing, and so many lives have been I, changed because they don't people don't just know to do these things. Well, I didn't know to do it. I didn't do it. I, I'm probably four years into this now um, because I didn't understand the importance of it. And, um, you know, I, I love this quote by J John F. Kennedy. He says, as we express gratitude, uh, we must never forget that the highest form of appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. Mm. And those who dare to fail miserably achieve greatly. So we can't just speak it. I think speaking out loud, our words have power, but we have to do the action. We have to take the steps and that leads us to the results we want to achieve. It's beautiful. Okay, moving on. Um, if your <laughs> life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? <laughs> so, oh my goodness. Um, 
Yeah, overcome or rags to riches. And uh, you know, when you really when you really think about that in America today, rags to riches. So you saw that in the in the book, The Millionaire Next Door. Mm -hmm. Becoming rags to riches, it's pretty commonplace, really. I mean, when when you think about people who outswim sharks from Cuba to get here and and they outrun cheetahs in the desert and, and just to get here, you know, this is still the greatest country where we have opportunity to achieve. And rags to riches story are pretty commonplace. If you just look around, you don't have to look very far to find somebody that's not only wealthy financially, but wealthy spiritually, wealthy in their relationships, wealthy in their career and in their business. And, and they came from nothing. They came from nothing. So uh, that, that would be the headline. And I would encourage all of your listeners you know, to believe that there's greatness within you if you're listening today. You just need to open it up, explore it, find it. It's there. Just, just be open to it. Be seekers. The Turn seekers. your open sign on. So, <laughs> so John, how do, how do people find you? How do they learn more about sure. you? Oh, great. Um, my website's leadershiplived, all one word, dot com, leadershiplived.com. You can email me, John, J-O-H-N, at leadershiplived.com. Go to the website. Um, you know, all my contact information is there. Everything we do, I have a blog page there and, and uh, you know, a lot of topics, some training. We're working on new training courses, digital, that are coming up. I'm really excited about. Um, we're doing a course called Communicate to Win which will be coming up and we're gonna launch very soon. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where you can reach me. I'm on all of the social media platforms and, and uh, I'm out there, I'm out there. Awesome. Call Casey Haston, tell her what a great <laughs> podcast it was. Share this podcast and go, oh my gosh, go to Casey Haston, she can tell you how to get in touch with John. <laughs> I can, I got the hookup. <laughs> <laughs> Well, John, this has been so much fun as I knew it would be. Um, and I just have one last thing to say to you. You are a VIP. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Casey. You too. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.